podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm J.J. Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, and I'm joined, of course, by my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host. That's three lovelies, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Three lovelies? You, you must have seen my uh, the haircut I got just, just the other day. That's that's really nice of you, J.J. You deserve it. You deserve it. We've gone through we've gone through hell and back throughout this offseason, and we're almost, here. we're almost there. we got a week left. One yeah. week. We, we're getting questions about the season. Not we're, getting, just, we're getting start-sit questions already. Yeah, start-sit questions, not just like, you know, uh, the offensive line for the Jaguars. How do you think they'll be this year? You yeah, know? It's, it's phenomenal stuff. Well, and another, you know what else is phenomenal? Is what else? We, we, have, we have another guest on, on the show tonight. We had his, uh, his other half. I don't want to say better half because that's – I don't know if that would be true with Rumford Johnny. But we uh, – we have we have Mr. Ryan Forbes from Two Mugs on the uh, podcast tonight. Rifo, what's going on, buddy? Fellas, it's a pleasure to be on. Pleasure to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. What, we're talking about running backs tonight, and and I share your your same feelings as hey, football is. You can smell it. Let's put yeah. it that way. It's not quite here, but you can smell it. I I. I'm I'm ready. I you know it's it's the the smell of of brat grilling grilling some some brat and hot dogs mm-hmm. and yeah. and what else does it smell like, Danny? You're, you're such a Pittsburgher. <laughs> I'm such a Yinzer man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a Wisconsin thing too. Brats. I mean, we're we're big into that. So yeah. I, that, well, I'm that's because brats. that's because Wisconsin understands sports we're not we're not in this giant metropolitan area like denny is down in dc and baltimore guys i eat listen i eat arugula and drink champagne while i watch <laughs> yeah, no i don't know what you guys do mr mr non-allegiance this is this is real america over here incredible well let's uh let's start off the pod so, so ryan touched on it briefly that we'll be talking about some running back values tonight but one thing to that i did want to talk about before we kind of got into that is denny you you had the pleasure to talk to roddy white and maurice jones drew last week i did you just was, called them up and you just you asked them some questions right i mean as a, as a fantasy writer we're all given uh the cell phone numbers of all nfl players so <laughs> right. I, I just took advantage of that and i called What's, two of my favorite can you, can you tell us what nate burleson's phone number is I could I actually shared that with Forbes um, because that's his favorite player and the, the subject of my of my constant trolling so or his constant trolling of me. Yeah, yeah we uh, chat every night, me and Nate. So <laughs> you, and, you and Nate dog, I know. So uh, um, so I yeah just quickly about my uh, conversation with um, MJD and Roddy, uh, I got to. Uh, talk along with a, a bunch of other uh, fantasy writers uh, for a direct TV promotion last week. And um, I know uh, a lot of questions were asked them about, you know, certain fantasy values and they, they can't give away too much um, for obvious reasons. And I wouldn't expect them to. Um, but I guess the, the one thing, and I, and I wrote about this um, uh, for, for an article I did for, um, it's not called sports jerks anymore, guys. It's called yeah. X- XN sports. 
What does that stand for? Um, <clears throat> we're not sure, but it's at xnsports.com. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> What's that? Okay. Where, uh, <laughs> and it, but it's uh, the the site's improving all, all the time. We have a great uh, feed now, uh, player news feed on the uh, homepage. So, anyway, uh, I was talking with um, I asked MJD about uh, his usage because it really dipped in the in the six games that he played last year. He averaged twenty touches a game, and and I said, you know, that's five five below where you usually are. Um, you know, in his prime, and and he said, uh, "Well, I expect that to get up back up to twenty five a game." And I didn't think that he wouldn't say that. I mean, obviously, that, that sure. that's not a shock. But the shocking thing was that he said that the goal of the team is to run around eighty plays a game, which is like you know more than Chip Kelly's Eagles are running this this preseason. Um, and it, it came off as kind of funny to me at first, and I actually said. I say, well, you know, you know, uh, uh, Maurice, because I know him on a first name basis. Right, right. Said, you know, Maurice um, Mo, as I call him. Uh, you uh, that would be more than more plays than the Patriots ran last year, and they led the league with seventy two plays per game. And he said, yeah, but we're faster than them right now. And you know that every everybody sort of laughed, and and I did too, <laughs> but. Uh, lo- looking at what they're doing in the preseason, it's actually not that that far-fetched not that crazy um they're running a play every 20 the jaguars now are running a play every 23.8 seconds um between plays uh the only team that's running plays more frequently are, are chip kelly's eagles who are running a uh, play every 23 seconds so it's basically the same mm-hmm. the same pace and you know if they keep that up and if they're among the the league leaders in in plays from scrimmage per game uh, like like obviously they're aiming to do. I think that really you know is something to to really pay attention to fantasy wise. Isn't that isn't that kind of frightening? And Ryan, I'll, I'll ask you: Do you are you frightened by the fact that Blaine Gabbert could be could be leading an offense that's running eighty plays a game? I mean, is Blaine Gabbert capable of that? Is obviously the question that comes to mind. But he's been pretty efficient in the in the preseason and. Look, look, they improved that offensive line tremendously. I mean, they had Jokel at the right tackle. Their their goal was to give Blaine, like they have these analytics, and, and they're one of the teams using them that said, and everybody laughed at the time that said, when Blaine has X amount of time to throw, he does very well, basically. And that's what they went for. And so they're going to try to keep defenses off guard and use that to their advantage. And, and this is what Denny mentioned, the two teams, you know, the Patriots that, that have always been a very high volume offense and, and the Eagles now with Chip Kelly, are trying to do that. And this is kind of the new offense. It's kind of, you know, I think we'll start to see more teams do this. It's, it's always a copycat league, but I think, I think the Jags will have some success and I've, I've been pretty high on them as an offense. I know people are scared off by Blaine Gabbert, but uh, they have a lot of talent in that offense, despite, the kind of bottleneck at the quarterback position. But if they give him time to throw, I think he's going to be pretty efficient and, and be serviceable. I wouldn't start him in fantasy, but right. he's going to have some, uh, you know, Cecil Shorts and Blackman are certainly going to be uh, assets. And then as, as Denny was talking with MJD, uh, a guy that I've kind of been targeting around the third round or the late second, if he's there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think you're right, Ryan. I mean, I, I think obviously I, I'm not targeting 
uh, Gabbert in any leagues. I mean, no, no, unless you're in like a 40-team league, you're not doing that. But um, he could have, uh, for one, some daily fantasy value because he has a really soft schedule. Uh, and two, um, if they're going to be running 70, 75 plays a game, uh, that's I think that's unbelievably great news for a guy like Cecil Shorts, who yeah. you know, could could see could see a bunch of targets with that kind of pace. Well, he'll see targets anyway, but I think it just it it is it's great news. And and if, and to ignore it because I, I saw a lot of jokes when I tweeted about that. A lot of jokes about oh they can't do that. That it would be twenty nine three and outs in a game. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and, and and I get it. It's fun. Like ah oh, the Jaguars. Ha ha. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know, I, I just I I bumped Cecil Shorts up in my rankings after I heard that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's fan it's it's what's great about fantasy football with volume and what we we talk about so often, Denny, on, on the podcast is the fact that if a team is running 80, 80 plays a game, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew saying that he could touch the ball twenty five times a game again is not even close to out of the question. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that alone, the volume alone, it doesn't even necessarily matter. How efficient they will be. Obviously, they have to move the ball and not have twenty nine three and outs. But uh, that's certainly going to help fantasy value. And and by no means, I don't want anyone listening to this podcast tweeting at us saying that we told you to draft Blaine Gabbard because that is not the case. No. Uh, But 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 I I do think. And and Forbes, you're a big Cecil fan, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been. I, I thought so. I thought I remember remember you guys talking about him a lot too. I, I am too. I mean, I drafted him. I drafted him last night in the league, and um, but I think uh, you know that's that's only good news for for anyone that that was maybe somewhat nervous about Cecil uh, with Blaine Gabbard. I, I think uh, um, it actually is is great for uh, MJD's PPR value um, because. Um, uh, you know he got a lot of looks in the passing game when he when he was healthy, and um, you know Gabbert, as we know, is a check down king along with the Alex Smith types. So I think that that that's also something to pay close attention to. Also, Jacksonville's defense, by all accounts, is very green and very burnable, uh, and that's great. I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited about how how poorly that that defense might play, which would you know, put the offense in position to have to score a lot. And, and that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And you just mentioned the, the, uh, MJD reception total back, back when he was, uh, a duo with, with Fred Taylor back in the day, I'm looking at his stats. Now he had 62 receptions during his third year, which is phenomenal. And that's, that's not in an offense that was running 80 plays a game. I'm not saying that he's going to get 62 receptions again, but it, I'm saying that he's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. He's, he's one of the, one of the reasons that, that MJD is an attractive uh, asset in fantasy uh, each and every season is because he can uh, he, he is the, the two-way back that you want in fantasy football. So, I mean, that's, that's, this news is only good. So I'm glad that you got to talk to him on, on the, the machine. That, what was the machine that you used? It was, uh, it's called Ubu. It's uh, some sort of Skype-like chatting system. And uh, I actually think that I cursed when I first got on to the, the chat because I, because see, I, okay, as you know, like I'm a, I'm a total luddite. Like I can't use technology at all. I, and I hate technology, but I always have to use it, you know, for, for these things. So this is 2013. Right. I was using an iPad, which I was basically like, you know, wielding around like a caveman for a while um, before I figured out that I was actually on camera 
And I think I dropped, I possibly dropped the F-bomb. I, I, I'm not even sure because I was so nervous at the time. And so it's possible that Roddy White and MJD heard me say that. I'm sure they've never heard that word before. Well, you're, the, the angle to, towards your face could not have looked any worse than Roddy White. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> he's just, man, not, he's, those wide, they just, they just draft, draft the, uh, the least attractive receivers down there in Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, you guys will be uh, sad to know that my hair was not in that shot. Uh, you know, oh man, I, I did, I did, I did uh, capture a screenshot for you though. I know, thank you. Yeah, I, I watched it. I was watching it while I was uh, working one day. Anyway, so that's that's the uh, the the Jaguar news that uh, I wanted to touch on. Uh, Forbes, do you have any news about uh, Nate Burleson? I think Nate is still the number two wide receiver in Detroit. Okay. All right, all right. That's, that's ahead good. of Ryan Broyles, okay. who has right. bum knees and and all that. So, um, eat it, Denny. Is that? I can't. That I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, absolutely. I listen. Broyles is running with like the third team offense right now. I, I my my dream. The dream is 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 dead. And Burleson. Kellen Moore to to Ryan Broyles is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't talk. I can't hardly talk about it. And, and if anybody thinks this is totally serious, I, I should explain <laughs> that this all started. And I explained it when Denny came on our podcast. Right. But this yeah. all started when it was like probably a, a July afternoon. And I was bored at work, and I see Denny tweet free Ryan Broyles. So of course, free <laughs> Nate Burleson is the first thing that comes to my <laughs> mind, and it's just gone on ever since. And it's it's been a nice little. I, I get to keep in touch with Denny, to say the least, and I kind of like that. So. Yeah, sure. And I mean, like you said, you asked today, uh, will the double teams on on Nate Burleson free up Megatron on the other side? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said I'd handle so that question too. I, I asked it on Twitter to you guys for the <laughs> podcast, and I also volunteered to to answer it as well. So. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. I can't wait till he just completely steps up and has a career year. Oh God! Uh, I'm moving the camp. Denny, we already know the first game. It's going to be like two catches, 18 yards, and two touchdowns. <laughs> two touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Oh, absolutely. It'll be the worst stat line, but he'll get in the end zone. <laughs> yes. and, and Megatron will get tackled at the three like four times. So yeah, and it'll be all ugly. Like Stafford will be scrambling, throw it sidearm, <laughs> and Burleson will kind of stumble at the goal line, and oh. <laughs> it'll get tipped. Yeah, <laughs> it's like intercepted, and then it falls out of the guy's hands and right to Nate Burleson. So, yeah. oh, so just, just plug him in right now. Yep. Weekly, weekly fantasy first first week. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that uh, FanDuel is going to allow us to play multiple Nate Burlesons <laughs> throughout the season. Be, eligibility at every position. De- Denny, Denny actually, Denny and I were chatting one day, and I, I thought it would be a good idea to to start a league up where it's a full point PPR, but a five point Nate Burleson per reception. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't even be fair then. Just Nate Bur- every every Nate Burleson catches is five points. <laughs> Yeah, every seven yard out where he just jumps out of bounds before anyone hits. To him. be completely honest, at this point, he'd still be like a seventh rounder. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> true. <laughs> to come out of my uh, my Nate Burleson uh, thing that I do, yeah, he'd be like a seventh rounder. <laughs> I think. I think. I think if we're looking at this objectively, maybe even the eighth. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, unbelievable. All right, so so like I said, we'll be talking some running backs today, not just Nate Burleson. So. Uh, we're just going to kind of freestyle this a little bit. Uh, 
I, I sent an agenda out, said, hey, let's talk about three, four guys, two guys, however many you want that you feel are good values right now uh, versus their ADP. So we're not necessarily just talking about late round guys. Three, we, we have been talking about late round guys recently with wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, but wide, or, but running back is so difficult to, to pinpoint late round guys. It's so, I mean, you're looking at handcuffs at that point. You're looking at, uh, I mean, there, there certainly are some, but you're just, there's, there's not as much of an abundance of, of late round running backs that are viable. So we'll just look at some, some guys that we see are values and we'll talk at that, about them and hopefully agree and disagree and, have some fun. So, Denny, do you want to start it off with one of the guys that you have on your list? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not. I, I'm not going to go too late here, but I, I just wanted to point out that the the kind of the third and fourth and fifth round running back selections have really uh, grown in the past couple weeks to the point where you know, and, and we've talked about it a lot, uh, some on this podcast. Uh, I think we mentioned it on the two mugs when I was on with uh, Ryan and Johnny uh, last week, but um, you know that that wide that early wide receiver is coming becoming more viable by the minute. I'm, I'm just looking at the ADPs right now. I mean, uh, there's uh, Gio Bernard is available in the late fourth, along with Daryl Richardson in the late fourth. Um, you have um, Lamar Miller in the late third, um, David Wilson in the mid third. So. Um, it's, I mean, I, I'm really encouraged by that. It kind of gives you some flexibility instead of having to go kind of go nuclear with running backs, no matter what, um, uh, early, but, um, just talking about, you know, later round guys who could, who could really have an impact. Um, JJ, I know Pierre Thomas is your boy and he's still going at the bottom of the, the bottom of the 10th. I, I would take him there every time. And, you know, I mean, as ugly as, as he could, as he could look at times, no Sean Moreno's getting first team snaps with the Broncos right now, and he's going at the in the middle of the eleventh round. So you you could actually get a guy who is playing with the first team behind Peyton Manning, you know, lining up behind Peyton Manning at the in the eleventh round, which is sounds crazy, and I don't think it'll last. But even if you can get that for a, for a time, you know, I, I'd say I'd say go for it. Yeah, let's let's uh let's start with Pierre Thomas there. Uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on? Are you a are you an Ingram fan this year, or would you lean more Thomas given value in a draft? Uh, as far as Mark Ingram, I mean, the Saints' offense is like a Lamborghini, right? And then you put Ingram in the game, and it's like attaching a twelve foot U haul trailer to this Lamborghini. So nice. to say, if I'm a fan of Ingram, no. Uh, as far as Pierre Thomas's value, you know, again, I'm not a guy that I've really been drafting, but in the ninth, tenth round, when you start looking for running backs to to have on your bench that you might need in a pinch, I mean, Pierre Thomas is a great uh, PPR guy that you could throw into a flex spot if 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 a guy goes down. You know, it's not a guy you're going to need to rely on for every week production production, but. He's going to have production, and, and you hope to get lucky at that point because he's going to have opportunities every week. So, yeah, I, I tend to favor him over over Ingram, and, and Ingram's not a guy I'm looking to really draft at all given where he's going. I just, yeah, I'm – yeah. I don't I'm, get the excitement there. I'm, I'm totally 100% with you. I, I, uh, I wrote a piece uh, about this on Number Fire about how why Pierre Thomas uh, – is the better value. I think he, he's got like a late 10th, early 11th round 
ADP right now. I've snagged him in almost every draft that I've been in, uh, just just because I like the value. Just just to throw some numbers out there. So, um, you know, at Numberfire, we do that whole net expected points thing, where basically what net expected points tells you is how many points did a did a particular player, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, add towards their team's output uh, throughout the, throughout an entire season. So every yard line on a football field has has an expected point value whether it's first and 10 on the 50 or second and nine on the 45 or any of those things. And if a player contributes positively towards, uh, uh, you know, that, that offense's scoring chances, then that player adds more or has a more favorable net expected point value. So it's an algorithm that goes deeper than what can be explained really on this podcast. But uh, just, just to throw some numbers out there, of 40-plus attempt runners over the last two seasons when uh, Ingram's been in, in New Orleans – Ingram has yet to rank in the top quarter when it comes to efficiency. So when it comes to those, when it comes to net expected points per attempt, Ingram has yet to be in the top quarter. And that, that seems fine because it's, it's the top quarter, so it's pretty high standards. But when you consider that Pierre Thomas has ranked third and 12th out of 80 guys uh, in that uh, category, I mean, it, it shows you that Pierre Thomas has done more in the last two years with Mark Ingram uh, in New Orleans when he gets the ball than Mark Ingram has. He's just been a better running back. And I understand that, that Mark Ingram can perform better and he can take that next step, but I'm more of a fantasy player that, that likes to uh, look at, at you know history and what has already happened and not necessarily uh, make a leap of faith from something that I haven't really seen yet. I mean, have you guys been impressed with Mark Ingram? I mean, is, is, is there anything to get overly excited about? And to me, it's a definite no. And so, mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. getting excited about Mark Ingram. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it, it's it's very very difficult um, for me. It, and and the thing is too is that it's it's even difficult to get excited about a Saints running back outside of Darren Sproles. So mm-hmm. why are you spending a seventh round pick on Mark Ingram? I will yeah. not. Yeah. I will not understand that. And, and I, there are guys though in the industry. Uh, there are tons of guys that love Mark Ingram this year. I'm not one of them, though. No, I mean it's the same thing every offseason. I, I will say that uh, Ingram looks a little more trim. This that j- just just watching him play the other day against the Texans, he doesn't look quite as uh, hefty as he has in in previous years. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I seventh round is so high. I I I just don't know. I don't know why you would you would think that he's he's worth that. Uh, mm, I don't get it. Yeah, and I, I well, I'm looking at it now. He actually, oh wait, this is not the that can't be the right. I was looking at ADP results, and I looked at I searched for Ingram, and it, he was in the eighth round by Beanie Wells. That didn't make any sense. So right now, Ingram's going at 8.01 according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Right around, he's going right after Andre Brown and right before Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. But the problem with that is it's not necessarily the running back competition to me. It's the wide receiver competition because that's kind of where. Yeah. You know, if you're going running back heavy at the beginning of drafts, you're going to be, I mean, you're not necessarily looking um, at, at running backs or, you know, you're looking at wide receivers there. So you've got guys like Josh Gordon, uh, you got Greg Jennings, Golden Tate, those kind of players, uh, Miles Austin, or maybe if you love Kembrell Tom- Tompkins in the seventh round for whatever reason, uh, I won't get into that. I got in a lot of trouble yesterday for that. <laughs> uh, but, but it, you know, I just, I don't understand the opportunity cost in getting marking room yeah i'm not sure i i will say about uh i mentioned Gio bernard earlier uh 
yeah, I mean, his his uh, ADP has really gone up. Uh, four uh, middle of the fourth round uh, is where he's going, which is, I mean, I remember you know the old days, as in like three and a half weeks ago, he was right. He was neck and neck with with uh, the law firm, you know, right right there in like the seventh round. So obviously, people are paying some attention, but I I really do believe that that he could still be a value in that mid mid to late fourth round. Um, you know, uh, the Bengals offensive coaches have, have talked a lot about already about a 50, 50 split, which, you know, you, you don't hear that a ton that, you know, this, this early on, you would hear that after maybe after Bernard goes off in a game in a regular season game, then you might start hearing about it, but net, but they're already talking about it. And I, I did a, a piece on him the other day and, um, you know, Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati, uh, rushes has rushed the ball an average of 440 times um, per season in his two seasons in Cincinnati. So um, you know, 50-50 split gives Bernard, you know, two, you know, presumably 220 carries. I I, I love him at 220 carries uh, at that ADP. So would you would you go into the draft if it, would you take Gio Bernard as your RB two if you went with two wide receivers in the first four rounds? In PPR, definitely, I'd I'd really have to think long and hard about it in standard. Forbes, what about you with Gio? Absolutely, absolutely. I think as far as Bernard goes, a guy that can really jump above his ADP as far as the talent. And it might take a Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis injury, but at the same time, I think that he's good enough that he can just kind of push Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis to the sideline more often than we think he might. And and Denny said it, if it's a 50-50 split, he's still pretty good. He's going to get all of the catches in that offense. So in a PPR league, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, mean, I like I mean, Bernard. He, he could have, uh, you know, he could he could catch 40 balls to go along with that 220. Two, well, just say 200 for round figures, 200 carries. Uh, 40 catches and and you're getting him in the middle of the fourth round or the end of the fourth round. I, I'm I'm all about him right now. This is this is kind of an optimistic look, but I remember we had Evan Silva on our podcast last night, but he came on like a little over a month ago and mentioned how similar this kind of is to Doug Martin and Legarrette Blunt. Um, not saying that that can happen. But he, he kind of presented that picture, and I thought about it. You know, that's like the best case. That could happen, and, and he'd be a fourth round, a, a huge value. But even if it doesn't happen, I still like him at that spot. Yeah, the only, the only hesitation, and I, I don't disagree with you guys, especially in PPR. The only hesitation I would have, uh, you know, if we're going to look at, like, the, the Doug Martin comparison is, is where the Bengals at, are at right now uh, mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of team development and the fact that they are legitimate AFC contenders. And, and them having the veteran presence in Ben Jarvis Green Ellis um, in the backfield could be like, and this is to your point, Forbes. You know the fact that there might be slight growing pains at the beginning of the season with Bernard, not necessarily in terms of just uh, his, his playmaking ability, but um, in terms of just seeing the field a little bit. Uh, but I, but I do I do think that you know it, it he he's a he's a player that that if you're getting him in the fourth round, I would like to have another running back in the fifth round. Um, just, just to, just to be sure, cause I like to play the probability game with, with, uh, fantasy, but he's a guy that can certainly soar and be a, a really, really solid RB two uh, in PPR leagues this year. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to add, I'll go ahead. 
I was going to go back to Ingram real quick and make kind of a, a case for, this might seem crazy, but a case for like Bernard Pierce over Mark Ingram. And that case is, I think Pierce gets, you know, maybe 10 touches a week, uh, maybe 130, 150 carry guy. And I don't have Ingram getting a whole lot more than that, to be honest. I think I think when it all evens out, that defense is so bad that he's not going to be on the field that much that it'll probably average out to about 10 to 12 carries a week. So carry-wise, I think they're similar. But if Ray Rice is to go down, I mean, the upside of Bernard Pierce over Mark Ingram is just I mean, it's just way above what Mark Ingram can do. And and the Ravens have become this run-first team. We saw it in in their playoff run last year um, where they were just – it was almost – it was so obvious what they were going to do. They just fed Ray Rice or Bernard Pierce on the early downs, and then Flacco took shots downfield, and th- that's what worked, and that's what happened once Caldwell took over. So I, that's why I would favor and, – and not to say you have to draft him above him, but you can get him like a round later. Than, yeah, than Ingram. That that's the thing that you know. I, I I wrote that one handcuff article that ended up going over to ESPN Insider and being on there. And and the whole point of it was not not the fact that you just ignore handcuffs and ignore the running backs that are handcuffs. But to me, like if you're going to draft a guy like Bernard Pierce, don't do it just because you have Ray Rice. Do it because you think that Bernard Pierce can produce, and right. then you have that added upside that if Ray Rice does go down. Bernard Pierce could be a legitimate RB1, RB2 in this league. I mean, that's just, you know, the upside is there. I shouldn't say legitimate, but the, the upside is there for him to uh, produce some crazy fantasy numbers because of volume and because of the offense that he's in. And and it's also not out of the question that Bernard Pierce could be like Willis McGahee was to Ray Rice. Right, um, yeah, he's sure. He's a much bigger, more physical guy, and I know Ray Rice is an immensely talented running back, but it's not out of the question to think that he could score six to eight touchdowns in that offense if he earns some goal line work. And that's a nightmare for Rice owners. I, I, I really sure. do. I mean, that, I mean, if we remember, if we can recall the McGahee days, I, I've had Rice in a keeper league for like five years, and those were, those were some dark days for me, the, the McGahee days, because you know rice would rice would make one mistake he would miss a he would miss a blitz pickup he would fumble he would drop a pass and bam he'd be on the bench for you know two series three series and McGay, he would just go nuts and uh you know pierce at, at times would come out and and take a whole series or two um uh la- or late last season um i don't care about the reason uh, you can give me a hundred reasons but i just know that that i'm not incredibly comfortable with with Ray Rice, you know, where he's, you know, he's going to go in the first round. I just, I haven't taken him in any leagues yet. Yeah. Forbes, do you got another guy that you want to kind of talk about? This is, I mean, we should probably talk about, I'm seeing it now that Andre Brown broke his leg. Holy oh, crap. Ooh. So there's your David Wilson moving into the Boom. low, early second, probably, if not earlier. I, Wow, I'm seeing that come across the uh, Twitter machine right now. So Holy fractured crap. leg. That's shouldn't really surprise anyone. He's always hurt, but <laughs> poor <laughs> yeah, guy. That's true. That that's insane though. So that's Denny. Denny. Denny is smiling so hard right now, and I'm not even. We're not even video chatting. I yeah, just no. know. No, listen. I do. Like, yes, I am. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, an, it's an. In- okay, you're you're gonna say I don't like when people get hurt. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, okay, yeah. we all know. I feel I feel like I'm obligated to say that because I've said stuff like that on Twitter before, and they're like, "You're disgusting." Yeah, but okay, um, yeah, right. but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, Forbes is right. I mean, 
Wilson has to move into the 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 early, very early second, right? I mean, I would think at the at the least like the mid second, right? Right. Well, I mean, I okay. Let's say let's. This is awesome that this is happening right when we're doing this podcast. But let's just let's pretend that that Chris Johnson is there, and let's pretend that Andre Brown is out for for twelve games. Do you take David Wilson over Chris Johnson? So it's funny you bring this up because Chris Johnson was one of the guys I was going to say is nice. in my eyes undervalued. Perfect. Um, and I'm looking if I if I'm in a PPR league, they're going to get him much more involved in the passing game than they did last year. That offensive line is just stacked. I mean, Michael Roos at left tackle, and then they add Levitra and Chance Warmack at guards. You've seen it in the preseason, what a difference it's made. I mean, there were times last year when there was nowhere for Chris Johnson to run. And I think he's probably, as far as big playability, he's one of the most talented backs in the league. So for me, I'm looking to take Chris Johnson. If I'm picking like 11, 12 in the first round, I would definitely take him at the end of the first round. I, I have no problem with that. I mean, look at last year. He, he still rushed for 1,250 yards, I think, had 36 catches. And I I tend to think he gets back into that 50-catch range. He has many more big games than he did last year. I think we could see him with, you know, 1,700 all-purpose yards at the end of the year. I don't think that's crazy. And even if Sean Green's vulturing from him, it's not that dissimilar from Ray Rice and you're getting him at the end of that round. And so 11th, 12th pick, I'm looking to go in a PPR league, league like him and Reggie Bush at the, uh, at the turn there. Well, so. What, so we, we actually, we just got a, we got a question about a half hour ago from uh Lewis Tamachio 20 S. That's a great, great handle guys. I love some of these handles. I'll be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love the 20. I hope 20 S stands for 20 seconds. I bet that's what it is. So, <laughs> so I don't really know. Why I would hope for that. So the, uh, it's, he asked, is it crazy to think of grabbing Chris Johnson at 12 in a 14 team standard league? Uh, and then he asked chances that he would be there in the second round. So Forbes in a standard league, would you get him at twelve in a fourteen team league? Uh no. I, I think a lot of his his uh added value comes from the passing game in that case. And and in a standard league, I mean I, I have a just based off what I haven't projected as as far as receiving yards and receiving receptions, I mean I have him dropping below like Alfred Morris, MJD in that case. And and he's in PPR leagues, he's still going behind Alfred Morris, which is why I think he's undervalued. Not to get off topic on the standard thing, but no, I I think he's more of a mid to late second rounder in that yeah. case. Denny, what would you would you have a problem with this with uh Lewis Tamachio taking Chris Johnson in the at the at twelve? No, no, not not at all. Actually I, I think uh uh, Johnny put it best today when he said uh, a, a, mail ba- a mailbox on roller skates could rush for a thousand yards behind that line, <laughs> um, and uh, and I think that the Titans' plan—I mean, they're not being secret about it—is to run it and run it and run some more. I think you know they they could approach you know 450 carries on that team with how they're handling Locker and and how dominant that offensive line has looked. I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the camp. So you have the you have the main ten ten running backs, and then 
I mean, what about so? Okay, so we 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 all love Matt Forte because of what he can do in PPR leagues. But would you take Forte over Chris Johnson in the standard league, Denny? Uh, um, in PPR, uh, I really do think that PPR makes a difference for me with Forte. I would take him over Chris Johnson in PPR, but not in standard. It's very close, though. Yeah, for- I mean, I mean, that's the thing with this. I mean. It's it's the typical, uh, you know, or I can't believe we're spending this much time on early round picks, too, just because, I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, there's a significant difference in Chris Johnson's ADP to what he can do, so that's obviously significant and, and worthwhile to talk about. But then, once you're talking standard leagues, and you don't have that PPR dimension, and you're looking at guys like Chris Johnson to Matt Forte to Steven Ridley to MJD even, I mean, it's 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 very, very difficult for me to... Uh, differentiate. So in that case, you know, if you're in multiple leagues, you just kind of have to diversify a little bit. Yeah, and I have, I have, like you mentioned, Ridley. I have him ahead of Chris Johnson in a standard league. But going back to Johnson versus Forte, I'm with, I'm with Denny. I mean, one of those guys is going to be busting off 80 yard touchdowns, and the other's not. I, I think is what it kind of comes down yep. to. All right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, bring up another guy that that I've, uh, I've seen it. You know, it's not to say that he's a significant value, but I really think that that this could be a good year for for Demarco Murray in Dallas. Uh, so I know that it's it's difficult for people to to comprehend that because he hasn't really uh, been on the field often throughout his first two years. But the, the the thing that I love about Demarco Murray is that he doesn't have to be efficient to be effective in fantasy football. It doesn't matter how in, in Dallas how bad their running game is to be relevant in fantasy football. I mean, even the, the last two years, well, I guess his rookie season, he was certainly effective. But when DeMarco Murray actually played last year, I mean, he was a solid, solid uh, start in your fantasy league. So I, I think that, um, you know, with his high volume, he's going to have a high floor, but the injury risk is certainly there. But I'm not one to necessarily, uh, you know, aside from a few guys, believe in that. Um, so I, I actually do like his value in the third round. And I think he's a... He's a perfect running back to grab uh, if you're going with an elite wide receiver in the second round to get that elite wide receiver consistency week to week. And then if I do get to Marco Murray, I'm normally looking for uh, another running back in round four to kind of uh, balance out that health risk. So I, I'm, I'm throwing it out there to Marco Murray. Denny, what do yeah. you feel? Uh, well, uh, I think Murray is a guy when, – when you look at, at, at early round, early-ish round picks who – um, who can be replaced uh, production-wise late, later on, or mostly replaced, you know, 80 or 90% replaced um, later on in the draft, you know, those are the guys you want to avoid. And uh, in, in looking at, at Murray's numbers, previous production, production while healthy, and, uh, and, and the opportunity that's coming to him in a backfield that he owns, um, you know, all of those things I don't think can be replaced later on in the draft. So that that's that's why I've actually ended up with him on a couple of teams um over the past over the past week or ten days. I I really am am much more comfortable taking him. And I the the injury thing, I, I understand how that, that could freak you out, but um, you know, you, you just you I don't I don't like to make my decisions based on fear of, of injury. So I'm I'm fine with him where he's going, and I see him as a value. Yeah, Forbes. What about you? Everything you guys said. I mean, 
I, I hate to keep agreeing with you guys because I don't really like you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people sleep on Murray because of the injuries, but I mean, people don't really talk about how much of an asset he is in, in PPR leagues. Yes, and yes. 10, 10 games last year, 34 receptions in his seven starts in 2011, 26 receptions. I mean, this is a 50-catch guy if yeah. if things finally work out health-wise. And, and that's kind of the range where I had Chris Johnson. And I talked about Chris Johnson's an immensely greater talent. But, uh, I mean, he's going to have garbage time touched or not garbage time excuse me but some easy touchdown opportunities while while Dez moves the ball downfield yeah. by himself for the Cowboys and there's a lot to like about his situation to say at least I don't worry about Randall I don't worry about Tanner I I, I think they're just kind of guys and, and that's Murray's job so yep as, as far as you know third round I have him in a PPR league at the end of the second round in my ranking so the mid third round is, is a value for me yeah I, I totally agree Denny is there anyone that we haven't talked about yet that you've got uh, uh, well Daryl Richardson who's obviously whose ADP has gone a little bananas um, even though really I mean we knew he was going to be the starter so I'm not sure you know what what has changed I think you said that last <laughs> week yeah, I, I, it, it still it kind of blows me away. Like, yeah, like I, I mean, it really should have come down to uh, how you felt about Isaiah Peed versus Daryl Richardson to begin with. And, and even though he was named the Week One starter, that I mean, that was obvious because Isaiah Peed's not playing Week One. Right. And, and like the fact that his ADP jump just blows me away. That that was because it was clearly the reason right. that that happened. Yeah, so, I don't get it either, but. Yeah. Um, my uh, my colleague at XN Sports, uh, Rich Rebar, uh, painted a very realistic scenario um, in which Richardson, you know, could catch uh, forty, you know, forty to fifty um, balls out of the backfield this year, um, and I that fifty is the top end. But just knowing that 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 potential exists, you know, is 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 nice, especially you know in PPR leagues. Um, uh, he's been targeted, uh, I think, four times in in fourteen um, you know routes that he's run this preseason. Um, and I know that's you know the sample size is basically non-existent, but you know it's good to know that that uh, Sam Bradford feels comfortable um, with with him as a as a pass game option. I, I I really am warming up to him. So would you would you I know I asked you this earlier with Geo. Would you have Richardson as an RB two on your team? Uh, yes. Yeah, I would. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Forbes. No. Sorry. Go ahead. No, not for you. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm still a little bit afraid of of uh, his usage as an every down back. He's a smaller guy, um, and and I think that you know, to me, there's there's certainly amb- ambiguity there, uh, and that's not only with him as a runner, but in that situation, it's just cloudy. Uh, even though I'm I'm not one to say that that uh, the Rams are tied to Isaiah Pede by any means. I don't think, I think that's a very, very, uh, that's just a narrative at this point. Uh, but, but I do think that uh, from what I've read, you know, I, Chris Wessling, for instance, he was, he was talking about the, from what he saw, he doesn't think Daryl Richardson can, can be in every down back. Uh, and, and from a metric standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, uh, I haven't seen numbers that look too, too favorably for Richardson. Now, mind you, they haven't looked too too good for Isaiah Pede either, so it could just be a situation where uh, 
you know, he's he's the the lesser of two evils. Even though, you know, I'm not saying that they're they're horrible running backs, but just from a numbers standpoint. Um, so, you know, I, I, I if I'm going to have him as my RB two, I better have a good RB three. That, that oh, would be. I'm that, I'm I'm with you there. I I'm not I'm not comfortable. I'm mean, I'm not totally comfortable with him. Right. As my RB two, but. I think I can get by, especially because you know doing that means that you're picking up uh, probably a, a top eight yeah. receiver in yeah. the meantime. I mean, potentially two if they if you're yeah. going. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Forbes, what do you feel about Richardson? Yeah, as far as Richardson, I'm not overly excited about him. He doesn't he doesn't have that wow factor for me. Um, as as far as like a running back two, I mean, if if I'm if I need a running back too in the fifth round, yeah, that's that's who I'd kind of look at, um, and I think that's where he's going, right? Is, has he moved yeah, it's like, up? He's a four point one one on on a okay, so late yeah. fourth, yeah. So I get a little scary there. It, it, ugh, I, I'm just skeptical that he maintains that job all year. I, yeah. I think I think that it is a good possibility that he catches forty fifty balls. Um, Really wonder if if Pete or even Stacy start to emerge as better between the tackles runners, and that yeah. you know kind of pushes him to more of like a third down role like he was last year. It, it might not happen, but uh, that's what I worry about to to trust him as a running back too. I'm honestly I I I, I keep saying this uh, you know on Twitter and whatnot, but I I do fear that the Rams are going to have some growing pains at the beginning of the season, and and not only that, but they're in a brutal division. Let's let's remember that that even the Cardinals. Even the Cardinals' defense is going to could potentially give them some problems. So, you know, it's six games of the year, and and that's that's you know not easy to to have as an RB two. Right. Um, you know, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with those lineup decisions. So, like I said, and and you agreed, Denny, that having him as an RB two, you better have an, a, a solid RB three that you feel like you can trust. Uh, yeah. As a backup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say this. Uh, just just getting back to the Chris Johnson conversation, real quick. Uh, if you're not comfortable drafting him where where he's going, wherever he's going, uh, know that he has a very difficult, just on paper, a very difficult early season schedule. And that could really play into your hands if, you know, like he has the past two seasons, or maybe it's even three seasons now, he has a, an incredibly horrible, slow start um, and uh, for the first three weeks, and and his owners are looking to get any kind of value for him. His his schedule really softens up at midseason, and is uh, particularly nice down the stretch. So, um, if if you want to take that tact, I think that could I think that could work. Now, your you know your SOL if if he if he rips off a ninety two yard or in week one, but um, uh, but that could be a, a good strategy. Yeah, Forbes, do you have any other running backs in your list? Uh, you want a super late one? Sure. Let's I mean, just with let's, Jonathan let's, Stewart pretty much. Yeah, let's do one more. Do it to it. Jonathan Stewart buried uh, in the ground with his ankles or whatever. I kind of like Mike Tolbert. Yeah, I think he'll catch a lot of passes in Carolina. Not really even getting drafted. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot of wow factor, but not crazy to think that he could see some goal line work. Definitely third down work. Um, and that offense could catch 30 passes, nothing sexy, but, uh, if D'Angelo Williams gets hurt, then, uh, he, he gets a little more value. He still doesn't become a guy that I'm super excited about, but it's a super late guy that you can grab and, and he, he can maybe be a decent flex come mid season. We, we, it's just one of those things you have to wait and see on. Yeah. D'Angelo Williams is 46. So it's, 
I mean, it's potential <laughs> for him to for him to dad. step up. Yeah, I think he's a grandpa now. So, <laughs> a, a young grandpa. Uh, so those are some running backs. The last guy that I was gonna say was Bilal Powell. Uh, he's he's getting more and more controversial daily, and, and the reason, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna take a lot of heat for this, uh, but that's fine. First, you know, Chris Ivory obviously can't stay healthy. We have we that's that's a given. Uh, I mean, it's it's been proven with with him throughout his entire career. Um, so uh, one one other thing, you know, going back to that efficiency uh, metric that that we work with at Number Fire all the time. So Powell carried the ball 110 times last season, um, but he was the 11th best runner in terms of rushing NEP per carry among backs with 100 or more touches. Uh, so, you know, we look at Bilal Powell and we don't see anything tremendously special, but we also looked at Sean Green and didn't see anything tremendously special. So this is all based on opportunity. And I know that Mike Goodson's coming back and whatnot, but, uh, you know, as a late round flyer, uh, he, he fluctuates. Some guys reach for him a little bit in drafts, so don't go crazy. But you know, I see him as a potential uh, guy with with or a guy with potential opportunity uh, this year in fantasy. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And the Jets' offensive line, their rush, their rush blocking is not bad. No, no, no not, not at all. Not at all. So, so, all right, let's get to some Twitter questions. Uh, I got one from our buddy Phil Culberson, the LRQB writer. Do you, we kind of talked about Murray already, but would you guys, real quick, would you rather uh, have Murray or Frank Gore at their respective ADPs? Mm. That is a tough one. What, what this, is Gore? What scores? Here, I'll, I'll I'll read this. Uh, so so Demarco's at three point oh four, and Gore Gore's at two point one two. So he's at the end of the second or towards the beginning of the third for Murray. Go ahead, Forbes. I mean, I mean this is this is going to sound like a cop out, but it's like one of those things where I I say Gore in a standard and Murray in a PPR. Yeah, I like that. Specify, no, but I like I like that. I think it's a no-brainer. In my opinion, it seems like a no-brainer. Murray over Gore, um, both going to have similar chances, but I don't think Gore is going to catch a lot of passes, similar to last year yeah. in that offense. I, Denny? Yeah, I, listen, I, uh, six hours ago, I would have said Murray uh, without, without blinking. Literally, my, I can't blink my eyes right now. They're very dry. <laughs> but the, um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think there, there's something that could come into play with Gore, and that is, I don't know if you if you guys have, have read or heard about uh, the defensive tac- tactic for stopping the read option is just to destroy the quarterback. Like yeah. you know, the, the the end is now going to exclusively try to decapitate the quarterback because he is uh, in play once he makes that that motion to either you know hand the ball off or or take off himself. So if that's the case, and you know Terrell Suggs did that in the Super Bowl against Kaepernick um, a few times, and it opened up huge gaping holes for Frank Gore, and that offensive line are a bunch of maulers anyway. So I guess what I'm saying is I would take Frank Gore. Yeah, I think I would probably take. I'm I'm going to lean with uh, Forbes' answer because it's it's the easy cop out. It's a cop out. Yeah, but... I like it though. Uh, our buddy Chad Scott, another LRQBer, he said, we didn't talk about Roy Hallou, so let's talk about Roy Hallou. What are your thoughts on him in a PPR format this season? Forbes. He needs to be owned. I'll, I'll say that. And as far as his ADP, it's probably like, uh, 13, 14, 12, I don't, somewhere, yeah, some, in there. somewhere in there. And yeah. I have no problem taking him in like the 12th round. I actually, I've been impressed with him. In the preseason, I don't get too excited about the preseason, but I think he's averaged like 5.8 a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
doesn't seem to be hampered at all by the, I think it was like turf toe last year. So I think he definitely needs to be owned and he's, he's going to get third down work. I don't think there's any question about that. If the Redskins get down, he's going to see a lot of action. So, I mean, that's kind of one of those things where you have to get lucky to have him in the game when the Redskins are getting beat 14 to nothing um, going into the second quarter. But there's going to be times that when it comes to that, that, that Alfred Morris is going to kind of be relegated to the bench because he'll lose a little better out of the backfield and, and a little better in pass protection too. So um, I think he needs to be owned. And, and like I said, if, if he has, I think I'm looking now, I see a 13th round ADP, so I don't have a problem with him around sooner. This is, this is another Bernard Pierce example where, mm-hmm. where you're getting a handcuff slash you're getting potential flex play in a, in a matchup, you know, when, when one of your guys is a buy. And, yeah, and, and it, four rounds later. Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, and, and I, do think, I do think, though, that Pierce probably has more uh, value week to week than Halu mm-hmm. probably does. But at the same time, this is a, this is a, a time where you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. And, I'm, again, I'm not a handcuffer, but I see value in Roy Halu. So if I do own Alfred Morris, having Roy Halu can, can do a lot. Not to say that you would play both of them in a given yeah. week, but, but you're, you're at least um, – having value there with Roy Hulu sitting on your bench. It's not a guy. It's not a handcuff. It's getting three carries a game. Uh, Denny, do you have any thoughts on Hulu? I, I just uh, hesitate to, you know, uh, to play. I mean, he's a good handcuff, but to play a guy who depends so much on game flow just, you know, scares the crap out of me. I, I, I can't pretend yeah. it doesn't. You know, I mean, it's, you know what it's like? Joik, Joik Bell? Yeah, it's it's a little Joik Bellish. It's also... Uh, I think the ultimate example is Ben Tate. How many times over the past two seasons have have we seen people saying, you know, I'm going to start Foster and Tate against Team A because yeah, it never works. Yeah, yeah, be, because because the Texans are going to win by a lot, right? And they're going to keep running the ball. I don't know. Yeah. Why are you basing your decisions on how you think the game flow is going? to – I mean, it, it just I. I have a really tough time just just kind of assuming these things. It just seems like such. I mean, it, it all is is somewhat a crapshoot. But you're just throwing so much more. You know, the luck factor just comes into sure. play so much more. Yeah. Uh, so the last question we'll get to. Uh, this is from Richard Serrano at Mac on Udas twelve M. This is <laughs> this guy. This guy has twelve M at the end. Twelve. Come minutes. on, it's Mac and Udas. It's a cigar. <laughs> Oh, I didn't hear oh, oh, realize. I... <laughs> <laughs> that was that was an easy one. Come yeah, on, yeah, that was that was my like bad. If you don't smoke cigars, then that was no, that was that was my bad for sure. Uh, so, what is happening with Monty Ball, and what is happening with the Le'Veon Bell injury? So, let's just I'll, I'll get I'll talk about Bell. Uh, it, it, uh, let's talk about Monty Ball first. Denny, do you are you even touching him? Uh. No, I mean at his current ADP. No, I, I don't even really pay attention to him at his current ADP. Um, but I mean, there seems to be a, a good portion of the fantasy community who just is is kind of you know you know taking it to the bank that he's going to be the unquestioned number one and get all the carries all the time, no matter where the Broncos are. So I guess that that's nice to have that sort of confidence. I just don't have it. Yeah, are you are you in the same boat, Forbes? I want to have confidence in him because I own him in a couple dynasty leagues, but I'm not looking to add him and redraft. He's one of the guys that, in an auction, when it gets down late, 
and there's a few good running backs that I like left, I throw him out, you know, hoping, okay, somebody else is going to have a running back. They'll pay for him, and I, and I don't have to. It's more than I'm going to pay for him. Yeah. A little scary I, on his usage. He can be good in that offense. I mean, there's going to be easy touchdowns to be had, and it seems like that's what Joseph Adai did for so many years. And Joseph Adai was a guy that I was never overly impressed as or impressed with as a running back. I mean, he did everything well, but he wasn't f- great. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Ball is. But you do worry that uh, Hillman, Moreno, you, you just don't know there. Yeah. So his ADP doesn't make sense based on the what you don't know. Yeah. What about what about both of you guys? Uh, the other rookie back, Le'Veon Bell, who is obviously hurt right now. Uh, you know, the timetable is still very very iffy with him. Uh, let's say he comes back. Let, let's say he's let's let's pretend that he doesn't have a secured starting role, assuming that he kind of gets rolled back and, and slowly. Um, so let's assume that he doesn't start until week eight. Uh, where, how are you guys valuing him in drafts? Are you are you looking f- to draft him at all? If we're assuming that, Denny, uh, I'm I'm looking for his ADP. Right? Oh, it's eight, it's at the beginning eight, of the eighth round. Yeah, right before Dwyer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, realistically, it's pro- it's it's not going to be until week eight. But this is this is just assuming that he yeah. is. You know that that Dwyer and Redmond are gonna they're they're all gonna be in a committee together up until yeah. that point. It will, like you mentioned earlier, JJ. Uh, that that seventh eighth round area is is such a sweet spot for wide receiver value. I mean, at least you know what I, what I've seen so far. So I, I would have a t- I would have a really tough time, um, you know, burning an eighth rounder on Bell, knowing that it's going to be late October before he even sees the field and. You know he he's probably like you said not going to come back and inherit the unquestioned workhorse role that that he might have had otherwise. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm passing him there. If he drops, you know, if he drops to like the tenth, I I could do that. Yeah, Forbes. Any any other? Uh, I mean, the latest I saw was that he's shed the walking boot. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty about what's really wrong with him. Yeah, and. I don't like to gamble off not knowing about a guy's injury, but I, I think he has the potential to be better than like Monte Ball, um, for instance, in that Steelers offense, if he can get that rollback. I'm kind of in the thinking that if I draft him, I'm going to have him by week four, and he's going to get you know 15 touches a game, and maybe that's extremely optimistic of me, but... If that's the case, and my assumptions right, then the eighth, ninth round, I don't have a problem with him really. And and you guys touched on the wide receiver value that it's it's unquestioned. So you know the flow of your draft will will tell it all. If you're looking for a quarterback around then, and and you're in the Russell Wilsons and the Andrew Lux are still there, those are kind of the guys I'm drafting in the eighth round. So it might be tough for me to get him. But one la- one round later in the ninth, then it- it's probably a given that I would definitely take him. And I just took him in in our auction for four bucks. Yeah, so, right. You know, the, not the, too much of an investment. The one thing that that could be really interesting with the Bell situation, if they do ease him back, which they probably should and will because of the injury that that he's got, um, is is the fact that the offensive line uh, in Pittsburgh right now is super super young. And and they're they're really they're they're trying to gel right now. Just got the zone blocking scheme. 
I think that there's an opportunity that it might. Er, I think that there's a chance that it might be better if Bell doesn't necessarily uh, get lead back duties quick off the injury mm-hmm. because people like us can snipe guys who who have Bell sitting on their bench that they're getting sick of him and try to trade for him and and get potential value before he does become that every down back. And, and, and realistically he could be easily, the reason why people loved him so much in fantasy is because he's probably going to be a three down back in Pittsburgh. If you know, he, he was a guy coming out of school that people were pretty, pretty opti- Some guys weren't, but, but most were pretty optimistic about his pass blocking skills. And even though Redmond and Dwyer both can pass block pretty well, um, you know, Le'Veon's a guy that, that could get significant touches if, if he is healthy. So given that, you know, it, like you said, Forbes, you know, it's it's like you don't really know enough about the situation right now. Uh, I'm fine if you have good, uh, you know, if, if you've if you've built up a nice wide receiver library and you're not you're not feeling that you need to get another wide receiver in round eight or nine. Fine, go ahead and get Bell and just see what happens. But I mean, I'd, I'd rather own Bell at his ADP than Dwyer or Redmond. I'll say that. Oh yeah, it, it, it's all about if you're a glass half full or half empty guy, and it's obvious that Denny's a, a half empty type <laughs> I guy. I think that's very all right, Denny. One last question: Le'Veon Bell or Nate Burleson? <laughs> that now that's a tough one because cannot compute infinity. Yeah, I can't right. <laughs> uh, I I usually just leave Nate Burleson for Ryan all the time. Yeah, he, every even like the leagues that Ryan's not in. That's why Denny right. never wins. Right. It, well, except for our all Burleson leagues, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> adventurous. All Nate Burleson everything. That's, that's quite interesting. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to the rants. Forbes, are, are you going to rant with us tonight? Yeah, so I thought about this all day, and I came up. I had a few different things I wanted to rant about. So I think I'm just going to throw them all into one. And it starts with some Twitter etiquette. One... I don't give two shits about your bad beat in fantasy football. <laughs> and if you're tweeting about every single thing that happens to your team, this guy dropped the ball, blah, blah, blah. And when I unfollow you and you ask, why did you unfollow me? Well, that's exactly why. Because I don't want to hear about your fantasy team at all. Unless you're asking me a question, start this guy or this guy. But if you're going to live tweet your your game against the uh, the – the somewhere on over the Dwayne Bows in uh, <laughs> your your twelve team PPR league. The only person that really cares about it is you. Um, I also wanted to talk about just drafting bums, and these are the Daniel Thomases, Michael Ashore guys of the world. Why waste your pick? Why? I mean, these guys could be playing against a seven team defense and they would still suck. So there's no point in drafting them. And my rant ends at vending machines because the other day, and I don't use a vending machine that often, but I had, this was actually like a couple months ago, and I was just hungry. I went to get something, and I think it was Skittles, and it was in the, the B10 slot, right? So they put a number 10 button on the machine, but if you never use a vending machine, you go B1. And so when it spits out black licorice instead of Skittles, and, and nobody likes, let's be honest, nobody likes no black one. licorice except no for one. like candy hipsters. Yeah, and, and maybe and, Denny. Maybe Denny. And if you're a candy hipster, then nobody likes you. Um, 
that that's that's where my rant ends. Why is there a number ten button on the machine? <laughs> what it all comes down to is saving your vending machine money and go and buy the late round quarterback book and Boom. Danny Carter's book on on uh, on Amazon, please. I like uh, what you did you. there. I like what you did there. Yeah, that that was nice. Am I uh, next? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Good luck I want to follow that up. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, Just I really don't know how I could go after black licorice, but I'll try. Um, I want to thank the Twitter follower who made me want to scream into a pillow until I passed out today because uh, I wrote a uh, – actually, I, I submitted an excerpt from my book uh, to the New York Times NFL uh, site, and they were kind enough to run it today. Um, the excerpt is called uh, In Fantasy Football, More is More. And basically what I did there is I took the lessons from um, – a book called The Paradox of Choice um, it, it, that explains how you know we as humans love to eliminate options. It makes us feel more comfortable in what we're choosing. It makes us not have to wonder what we're missing by choosing by by you know choosing anything. Um, you know, just think of uh, back in the back in the you know ancient days in the in the dark ages when we were a blockbuster, right? And you're like you know looking at all, all the videos and you're wondering which one. You should get, and no matter which one you you picked, some you know you felt okay. Well, I, I I don't know what I left on the shelf. You know, I don't know I don't know what I what I have here. So that translates to fantasy football too. We always want to uh, eliminate our options, um, and so people say, oh, you know, Ryan Matthews is dead to me, Darren McFadden's dead to me, Matthew Stafford's dead. You know, so on and on and on uh, until we whittle down our choices, and that's never a good thing. As you know, as all, all of us preach at, at some point, especially JJ and I on this podcast um, over the past couple months, um, you know, don't ever discount a player just just because of what's happened before. You know, everybody has their price, and you know we should remember that. So, anyway, I, I was pretty proud of that, and I was on the New York Times and everything, and and so why only, is Nate Burleson dead to you? It, yeah, I, I will explain that in a sec, but the. <laughs> The only response on Twitter I get is the following. I'm not touching any Broncos running backs. And I was like, well, all right. Uh, then I, I really I'm, I'm really glad that that like my 5000 words on this topic have really opened your eyes to the possibilities of the no no i'm not touching him no matter what i could i could get monte ball in the 15th round i'm not touching him you know i can't I, believe you're doing an evan silva impression <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. that was, that was <laughs> but it, but i i will say that that thank you for depressing me and pretty much ruining my day twitter follower that was beautiful. I actually, I think I was part of because I tweeted the link out, and I think that he tweeted at me as well, and I saw that that tweet. Yeah, yeah, it just makes you want to give up. It does. It certainly does. Uh, so tonight, for me, I'm going to rant about people who think things ten weeks in advance during their fantasy football drafts. Um, you know, I, I bye weeks. Why are you Why are you so worried about bye weeks? You have no idea how players are going to perform at a given point in the season. Why are you worried about Defensive matchups in week 12. Why are you worried about defensive matchups during your fantasy playoffs? I, I know that you can predict that to an extent, but really, let's let's be honest for a second. 
Drafting your fantasy team can be a difficult task at times. There's a lot of information that you need to absorb, so why are you making it more difficult on yourself? Just worry about the first couple weeks. We've obviously already given some insight on that with someone like Chris Johnson tonight on the podcast, but just just don't don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. Draft guys that make sense. Don't draft guys based on their matchups. Done. There Love you it. go. All right. Well, that's that's the ranting. That was fun. Forbes, did you did you did you enjoy that? Yes, I had a blast. I, I I was looking forward to the rant the most. I I hear him all the time, and and I love to rant. So it feels it's it's such a release. Yeah, like I'm just I'm in this like calm euphoric state now. Yeah, where um, maybe that's because of all the beer I drank during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I or perhaps because you just drafted Nate Burleson. Oh, that's gotta be it. Yeah. And in your in your MFL ten. <laughs> Hell man. Second round. Second round. Those yeah. things are finally coming to an end. Oh, finally. It's unbelievable. I, how many did you guys do? I know I I think I think Forbes did like ninety, didn't he? <laughs> you wanna know something funny? I did zero. Did no. you? Did none. No, I, I save all mine for, for daily leagues. It's impressive. Uh, I, I did nine. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd just rather have. I mean, so I honestly, I I think I read about him once, and I see people talking about. Him. I mean, is it is it a league where you make free agent pickups or at all? No, it's just you draft and you're done. Yeah, and so for me, I'd rather have the control week to week. Like yeah, if I yeah. if I do one and somebody if I and I draft Le'Veon Bell in the fourth round and I feel like an idiot a week later, or I take on you know I just rather have that control week to week and save my money and apply I, it there. I've actually been I've actually been contemplating the last week or so about I, I, I do think that best ball leagues probably have more or the most luck factor involved. I, I know that there's certainly a strategy involved and I've I've dug into the numbers and I've done as much as I could from a strategy standpoint with any free time that I would have. But I, I really, really do think the more that I think about it, that it is just very, very luck driven because you have to you have to ha- have all your pieces come together at this, during the same week, and that's just that's that's so deep that nobody's going to be thinking that way. Speaking of my rant, no one's thinking about the schedule of your individual players in a best ball league to the point where you're matching it up to to create this maximum value in a specific week. Which is why you know I'd rather you know to your point, Forbes. I think I think having the control of the start sit is is kind of better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just something. I mean. No, I, I hear. It. Yeah, there's think, some people. Some people are freaking addicted to those things. If, if I had yeah. an unlimited bankroll, you know, I'd, 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 I'd go off and do a hundred of those, and then do my daily fantasy. But like I said, daily fantasy is where I really invest a lot of time and, and yeah, and some money, right? How many? How many did you some do, money. Denny? Oh, I, I actually only did seven. So oh that, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, Make me look like the degenerate. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> but hey, I think actually I had to. I have to mention that I think Matt Riddle on, on Twitter, uh, where you can find him at FF Riddle, did forty MFL tens. Oh my god! I think didn't Rebar do a lot too? Oh, he's out of control. I actually am a little worried about him. <laughs> <laughs> at Lord Reeves. At Lord Reeves. So isn't yeah. it great that all of these podcasts were just handles? Yeah, right. yeah. I know. We've been reduced to digital forms. <laughs> Terrible. Like Johnny's always rum for Johnny. Like we. Oh yeah, yeah. We, that's just I. I do first last name because I don't really care. But uh, right, right. 
Yeah, he's he's never goes by his last name ever. Nope. On the site, you guys have it listed though. Speaking Johnny of Fatone. Yeah, yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking of which, where uh, where can they find you at Forbes? Two mugs ff.com. I'm uh, on Twitter at rifo18 ryfo18. Uh, and of course, I I'd be remiss to not mention Johnny, my my ever so wonderful partner in crime, who you guys had on, which was a great podcast last week. And that's at Rum for Johnny, like we were just talking about. Yes, and it was great, great having you on for sure. You and you and Johnny both. I th- I feel like if we if us four all went onto a podcast at once, we would just talk for 17 hours. It would it would be bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean we we could do it. I wouldn't put it past us, and my wife would hate me. And, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I, I I had a great time, and it's it feels nice to come on and not have the stress of having to run everything. Just yeah, kind of thanks. Back yeah. And, and relaxing and, and talking fantasy football and not having to to Boy. mediate everything. So you do a great job, JJ. And you too, I guess, Denny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm here in the background somewhere. Denny, where can they find you at, brother? Uh, at CD Carter thirteen on Twitter. Uh, I just 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 to run down. I, I tweeted this today, but uh, my my columns this this year. I'm going to be writing a streaming defense column for the FakeFootball.com. A quarterback by waiver wire column for four for four dot com, and a streaming tight end column for xnsports dot com. So I know that I'm I'm going to keep you guys updated because my ego demands it, um, and uh, so don't don't worry. But um, I'm also and I, I this is a shameless plug I know, but um, I am inviting people to play against me on a site called fantasysurvival.com. I'm not going to explain it here because it takes a little long. But go to the site, sign up. If you if you play me and you beat me, then you get stuff. Just just free stuff. Nate, Bur- Nate Burleson. Look for his handle, Burleson Lover Thirteen. <laughs> God, I, you're such a troll. It's so yeah, awesome. I, I have a whole army of trolls on Twitter too that have indulged in this in this pleasure that I have of trolling yeah. Denny yeah. about Nate Burleson. So really, it's fantastic. Really so phenomenal. All, all, all me and my four trolls. So, <laughs> so it's so awesome. Uh, and uh, JJ, are you on Twitter? I have never seen you. What's, uh, what's... Sometimes I, yeah. I I've probably tweet like once every three months. But yeah. you can you can find me at late round QB and on numberfire.com. I'm doing writing a lot of content there. A lot. I actually did a tally of the content that I've written since I started there, and I don't even want to say it on air. Uh, but uh, yeah, Denny, what about your book? Didn't you don't, didn't you write a book? Oh, I did. I forgot. Uh, yeah, it's called How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. Uh, it's on Amazon and iTunes and Barnes and Noble. Um, so you know, go read that before you draft, so you don't uh, choke like a dog. Yes, and you can help support Denny's child get to school, like elementary school. Right. I mean, that, that goes without saying. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will we'll we'll do this again next week. Next week we actually have real streaming content. It's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Forbes, thanks again for coming on, man. I really appreciate pleasure, it. man. All right, guys. Thanks for living the stream. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Living the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share.
about